You're listening to episode 166 of the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we talk about why there are no bad parts. Welcome to the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we explore how to use the science of psychology, Eastern spiritual practices like mindfulness and compassion, and the game-changing work of self-coaching so you can free your mind and free your life. I'm your host, Anna Verzoni. Hey, hey, my friends. I'm getting ready to head out to a remote mountain town in Alaska for 10 days and unplug. And I'm super stoked. It's one of my fave places in Alaska. My brother-in-law has a small miner's cabin that's literally perched above a huge glacier. And where we like to camp, we have a view of the stairway icefall, which is like 7,000 vertical feet tall. It's the second tallest icefall in the world. It's epic. And I have my mama bear. That's my trusty camper van. It feels so awesome to have her here with me in Alaska because I'd had her down in the lower 48 for a while. But dude, she got a crack in her fuel tank on the way out to the same spot a couple of weekends ago, and it is remote as fuck. So the people that saw me with this, like, because I always check my undercarriage when I finished driving the road there and I found the leak and people were like, dude, you should turn back around and head back to Glen Allen, which is this, the closest biggish town. And I was like, nope. <laughs> I drove all this way for a damn nature journaling workshop with Kristen Link, and damn it, I'm going to do it. So <laughs> the universe helped me, manifested this amazing mechanic who repaired it with like JB Weld or something and some kindness in the folks who had some diesel to give me. I was super stoked. But this mechanic, and this is actually related to the topic today, so thanks for hanging in there with the tangents. At first, when my friend got him on the phone, he's like telling me how to do the repair, like in detail, right? He's like, okay, well, first of all, you got to make sure all the fuel's drained out because you can't do the repair if it's dripping. And then you got to like clean it with alcohol because it needs a nice good service. And you got to like take some like 30 grit sandpaper or something and like give it something to stick to it. And he's like describing this to me. And I'm like, dude, thanks for the vote of confidence that I can do this myself. But can I like pay you to do it for me? Because I like want to do this workshop. And he's like, oh yeah, sure. (laughs) So in Alaska, there's a lot of not just necessity in some scenarios, but also social pressure to be really self-reliant. And I totally get that. Like self-reliance is also one of the pillars of Outward Bound, where I worked for a decade. I'm known for getting shit done and often getting it done quickly. And not but, and there's also a part of me that's so damn tired of being so self-reliant. Like I'm over it. Can someone please help me so I can rest and fucking draw a glacier for a minute, right? (laughs) So it worked out in the end. But that sort of battle of these different parts of me, the part that feels so confident and strong and the part that just wants to be taken care of and for life to be fucking easy for once, had me thinking about doing this podcast episode on the concept of parts work, of which Richard Schwartz, aka Dick Schwartz, is a pioneer. And I've studied with him both in IFS settings as well as training for psychedelic-assisted therapy, for which this type of approach, this parts approach, is a huge compliment. Anyway, 
This being tugged in multiple directions has been going on with me for a long time, not just on the superficial level of some of my examples, but on deep wounded levels as well. You know, like some people would say about me back in the day, honest, so positive, such a good vibe. She's so confident, energetic, hilarious. And I say back in the day, not because I'm necessarily a drag to be around now, but because I'm more complex than that. But anyway, being called those things felt good but I also felt pressured to perform, to be that way that made others' lives easier and more pleasant. And there were parts of me that I felt scared to share. Like if I was just having a shitty day, I didn't feel like I could just show up and feel shitty, right? Thinking people only wanted to be around me because I was those things. And I was a lot of the time, but I also wasn't a lot of the time. Like I said, I'm more complex and so are you. And this can be confusing and it makes social interactions more complex as well. So it makes sense. We often want to simplify ourselves and others. And man, it makes decision-making and how we act and think and believe totally complicated as well. You know, I know that my husband wonders why one day I can feel love and connection and appreciation and another, I can be so angry and withdrawn. And I know I wonder myself how a part of me wants to adventure and be with friends outside and carpe the damn diem every day. And another part of me wants to just sit and binge watch, not even healthy rest, but just to like check the fuck out and sit. And there's a part of me that longs, needs to help others heal and loves the way my clients impact their own lives, their communities and the planet. And that part of me feels deep, expansive hope and love. And another more jaded part of me that wants to hide away in the woods as humanity seems to irretrievably move towards its own extinction, right? And after my first bout with cancer, kidney cancer, when I was 30 years old, I started to feel exhausted at playing a part I didn't want to play anymore. While I was often energized, I wanted to not have to be the life of the party. I wanted to be seen, not watched. I wanted to have deep conversations, maybe even help people cry instead of laugh. Like, what the fuck about that, right? I wanted to not have to be okay with everything in my relationship just because I was the resilient, strong one. And this goes deeper as well, not just how others saw me, but the parts that I was willing to see within myself, which is what I really needed to do to heal my past traumas. I wanted or maybe a better word is longed, to allow the sad parts, the rageful parts, the difficult parts of myself to have a voice, the parts that were needed to be embraced in order to heal my relationship with my mom, the grief from my dad's like tortured life and death, and the parts of me that wanted to be soft and maybe even weak and to be taken care of, the parts of me that, while I was good at fighting, also felt really fucking scared to die. I liked the parts of me that were strong and smart and resilient and resourceful and wise and did things really fucking well. And I realized I'd been ignoring for too long the parts of me that were wounded. I wanted them gone, out of here, cured and done. But you see, that's exactly what causes a lot of our continued suffering, this notion that we're broken and there are parts of us that we need to cure versus heal and never see again. So check out my episode on healing versus curing in the show notes. But in my opinion, 
This complexity is evidence that we aren't just one personality at our core. We're more complex than that. And thank goddess, right? So Dick Schwartz is the creator of the Internal Family Systems IFS therapy model. And he says, we've all been born with many sub-minds that interact with one another. And we've all heard those conflicting inner voices saying stuff like, fuck yeah, go for it. And no fucking way, right? The idea that the mind isn't a singular entity or self, but is composed of multiple parts is at the core of the IFS model and really of the wild mind model of Bill Plotkin as well. But here I'll be focusing more on IFS since I've already done a whole series on wild mind (laughs) that's linked to the show notes. So according to Dick Schwartz, what's actually going on when we're thinking is our parts are constantly talking to each other and to you about things you have to do and debating decisions and whatnot. And each part also has its own beliefs. Each part has its own beliefs, feelings, and characteristics and a distinct role in this complex system. Like when I know I'm raging, that's little me that was scared as fuck and little me feels super unsafe and at risk of being abandoned. And in a different situation where shit might be hitting the fan but not triggering my abandonment, climber me is all calm and collected and shit, right? So anyway, he says these parts are clustered into three main groups. Managers, which are protective And they're a group of parts that try to keep us organized and safe. They run our day-to-day lives. They're trying to prevent disasters from happening, right? Over time, they may lead to perfectionistic tendencies and even, ironically, cause harm while they try to keep us safe. For those of you that listen to the Wild Mind series, this is like the North aspect of Bill Plotkin's Wild Mind model. Exiles are the injured parts of us and have typically experienced trauma. And the managers find them kind of annoying and high maintenance for day-to-day functioning and safety, physical and psychological. So they are exiled by the managers. As a result, they can become actually pretty extreme and override the managers so that they can become who they are, be, be who they are. And this is often, if we're looking at the wild mind model, like the South and the West, but it can really be anywhere. Firefighters are another form of protection that put out emotional fires at any cost. So this can look like unhealthy or unhelpful behavior like overdrinking or eating disorders or gambling and other addictions like the East in Wild Mind, right? Other theories that rely on more the single personality or mono mind model might have us tending to fear or dislike ourselves because it implies when we aren't feeling or acting the way we want, that we only have one mind that's assumed to be broken somehow and that we can't control. This implies we're inherently flawed versus, for example, one of their being Buddha nature in all of us, which allows for the spaciousness of this parts model, right? So if we're in the mono mind model in therapy, we often focus on correcting irrational beliefs or bypassing them by like meditating them away or something. But on the other hand, Uh, The IFS model and other parts models suggest that the ego is made up of multiple parts trying to keep us safe and that they have their own logic and reasons for doing and believing what they do. So Schwartz said, each part is like a person with a true purpose that can be uncovered. 
we can get to know them and identify their purpose, yeah? So in IFS therapy, we try to find ways to help our ego relax, allowing those parts of our personality we buried, the exiles, to surface. That frees up memories, emotions, and beliefs associated with them. And Dick calls these burdens that were previously locked away. So in IFS, there's four goals. One is we want to liberate parts from the roles that they've been forced into, which frees them to be who they actually were meant to be, designed to be. Then we want to restore faith in the self and in self-leadership and sovereignty, ZG, right? And then to reharmonize this inner system and to encourage the client to become increasingly self-led in interactions with the world. So this can be summed up as holing, W-H-O-L-I-N-G, in the wild mind model, where we reintegrate these parts versus banishing them or ignoring their needs. And this approach actually works really well for couples too, because even if just one person in a relationship has more access to their whole and integrated self, transformation can happen more organically and they can find the space and capacity to choose a response rather than simply react to it with like a protective habit, even if the other can't do it at the same time. Isn't that cool? And important part of this is also that each partner is encouraged to bring compassion to the wounded parts, right? And heal their past. And this allows more agency over the present moment so they can respond versus react. Y'all know I'm always like the first step is self-compassion, right? So in this way, a parts approach helps us form a really healthy relationship with ourselves and others and helps free us from our trauma and allows us to access our own inner healing wisdom and energy. So it's important to see that while there's lots of aspects to IFS as a theory, the primary healing relationship in IFS isn't between the client and therapist, but rather between the client self and these young wounded parts. And this is different because a lot of approaches to therapy focus on the relationship between the therapist and client being reparative. Reparative meaning just by being in a healing client-therapist relationship, the wounds of past relationships can heal, right? And this usually isn't a process that's talked about during therapy sessions, but comes out. It emerges as a result of the process. So with IFS, it's the client self rather than the therapist that becomes the primary caring and attachment figure that helps to heal the wounded parts. And I don't know about you, but I really like this because other people, even therapists, can be off or on, right? So when we can rely on ourselves for healing, it's a very freeing and empowering path. So in IFS, there's the parts and also the self. And I, I kind of think of it as like a big S self. And in terms of what this self is or isn't, Schwartz said that there's eight C's, words that start with C, that are a part of the sovereign wise self. And these eight are curiosity, calm, confidence, compassion, creativity, clarity, courage, and connectedness. And I found this so fascinating when I learned this because I have seven C's in my ZG Up Confidence model, which is in Freedom School, that actually has a lot of these. <laughs> so each one of these C's helps us feel more connected to humanity. And our disconnection causes us so much pain, right? So Dick said, 
When people sense how connected they are to humanity, they feel more curious about others and have more courage to help them. So in the IFS model, we try to address and communicate with these parts, trying to help find this wholeness and balance and harmony within our mind and have a sense of sovereignty in our inner experience and how we live our life by tapping into our inner healing energy. He calls it self-energy, right? So now I get that talking directly to different parts of the self might seem a bit weird if you're not used to this. And some of you might be wondering how this is different than DID or dissociative identity disorder, which used to be known as multiple personality disorder. The IFS model holds that there's a true self at the center of all these parts that always has the power to step back from dysfunctional dynamics and act in a healthy adult way. In DID and its variants, this is very different, right? So alters in DID or OSDD1 are dissociated parts that can't fully share information between them. You know, so the differences are more complex than that, but I hope that satisfies for now if that question came up for you in terms of how it's different. So what I'm talking about today is not, I'm not saying, hey, if you have DID, go try this on your own, go get the book or anything. They're very very different uh, models and uh, applications, okay? So, So I wanted to share a brief exercise created by the IFS Institute called All Parts Are Welcome to help get a taste of this. It was designed to help clients welcome all parts of themselves. So in step one, you focus your attention inside yourself and say in your head or out loud, I want to help anyone that needs help, but first I need to know all of you. And in step two, then remind them, if you overwhelm me, I will not be able to help you. And step three is about making a request. Please be here with me rather than taking me over. When you're ready, let me know who you are and I will write it down. And then step four, we make a note of the parts, including thoughts, emotions, and sensations that you feel or experience about them, right? Now, After we get to know some of our parts, we want to start to understand our relationship with a part. You know, we can pick one part and explore it in a different activity in more detail to get better understanding of whether it's actually doing its job that it's actually meant to do, its true purpose. Because you see, they all have a job, a purpose, but often are going about it in an ineffective way. So then we step into our big S self, right? Our wise mind that's centered and grounded, our inner healing wisdom. And from this self, we can ask that part some questions like, what's your role? And how does it help me manage my life? What's your relationship with other people? What positive intention do you have for me? How do you try to protect me? What are you trying to protect me from? Are you happy with your job or would you prefer something else? Now, another important step can be identifying who are our managers and firefighters, right? While managers help us plan and shape our lives and avoid discomfort and pain, 
firefighters rush in and try to fix the problem. So we can recognize both in how we handle different situations. So like the managers try to help us avoid humiliation and the firefighters help us get the fuck out when we're feeling humiliated. So for example, when life is less stressful and calmer, we might plan or over plan, right? But when we're already stressed or life's more chaotic, we might overdrink or overeat, right? So identifying these can often be facilitated by a more embodied approach by using our senses and asking ourselves questions about a specific part, like what bodily sensations accompany the part? How do we feel regarding each part? How does each part feel about us? This helps us discern if it's a manager or firefighter so we can see what it's trying to do when it comes up. Now, like I said, self-compassion is essential to IFS therapy. We need the self-compassion to reassure us we have our own backs as we do this work, which is not for the faint of heart. And I'll link to the episode on self-compassion in the show notes too. Lots of links on this one. And while our parts are indeed a part of us, it's important to separate the evaluation of behavior from that of our true self. So we can see that we don't have to define ourselves by our behaviors, which often leads to shame, right? And other shitty emotions. And we know how fucking unhelpful shame is, right? So in summary, the internal family systems model proposes that the mind isn't a singular entity or self, but it's made up of multiple parts that try to keep us safe. And we use self-compassion to encourage buried parts of our personality to surface, which helps to free up memories, emotions, and previously hidden beliefs. This helps us transform trauma so it doesn't burden us in the same way anymore and helps us access our healing energy and capacity and form deeply meaningful and satisfying relationships with ourselves and others. And this helps us heal the relationship between ourself and our younger wounded parts, which helps us regain sovereignty in our mind and in our lives, right? So it may not seem like straightforward, but on some levels, it's also intuitive, right? And if this is interesting to you, you can start learning more by checking out Dick's book, No Bad Parts. I highly recommend it. But we can all start with knowing that if we notice we experience confusion, wondering why we do things we just know aren't good for us or that are totally against the values we're trying to live in our lives, that it's because we are more complex than just having our shit together or not. There are parts of us that despite the dysfunctional behavior or beliefs that we experience are trying to protect us. And as we get to know them, we can give them a healthier role in our lives. You know, in the Adventure Mastermind, we engage in processes that help us embrace and integrate our various parts and listen to them and give them roles fitting to their true purpose. And it's a potent process and one that's particularly helpful for deep healing and psychedelic assisted therapy. Integrating and holding is something we all can use as we heal and walk each other home. Hey, all, the Adventure Mastermind for 2024 is about to open its early registration. 
two people on the wait list. So if you want to get on there, head over to adventuremastermind.com. You'll be the first to find out about the retreat dates and specific locations. So get on there because you're going to want in on this. It's going to be amazing. If you like what you heard, spread the love and share it. And if you want to learn more about how to free your mind and free your life, check out rebelbuddhist.com and grab my free Rebel Buddhist training kit where you'll receive a video training on cultivating resilience, a copy of the gorgeous Rebel Buddhist Manifesto, and more. That's rebelbuddhist.com.